I asked our guest Shane Hallam to pound the table for some of this offseason. Shane, who you pounded the table for? I'm, I'm pounding the table for LSU receiver Terrace Marshall. He's going to be an absolute stud. My wide receiver, too, behind his teammate Jamar Chase. I think this is the Justin Jefferson of this year. This is the guy that everyone needs to go out and get in your rookie drafts, and he's going to be an absolute stud. I love it. I love it. I have no argument for that against that. He was fantastic, losing all of that talent around him and still shining last year. I love it. So straight from Shane Hallam, go get you some Terrace Marshall in the draft. Now let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to the most accurate podcast. I am your humble host, Brandon Niles. And co-hosting today is the fabulous Jen Akins. Jen, my friend, how's it going? It's going. Um, it's great. It's been a fabulous weekend. Yesterday was my birthday, so it's kind of a, you know, one of those where kind of a good day to enjoy, you know, reminiscing with people, you know, throughout your life from like elementary school all the way till now. So it's kind of cool. It happens once a year, you know, you reach out to people or actually they reach out to you. But yeah, it's been a, it's been a great weekend. I'm excited to get to this. Happy birthday, Jen. And I saw you got the first pick in our most recent best ball. So happy birthday. That must have been a present. Yeah, that was pretty funny. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, but yeah, no, it's good. I've been uh, kind of all over the map in best balls this season, but it's fun. It's always fun to get the first pick. Nice, nice, nice. As I mentioned, we're psyched to be joined by Shane Hallam, a brilliant draft mind, co-host of the Devi Marketplace podcast, which is awesome. You can find Shane's work also on Steel City Insider, fakepigskin.com, and follow him on Twitter at Shane P. Hallam. He's one of my favorites for draft content, always is my baseline when I start looking at the draft every year, and everyone should check him out. Shane, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I appreciate you having me. It's always fun to uh, talk about the draft. It's fun to talk to you, Brandon. We've done we've done a couple of these uh, together over yeah. the uh, time here. And um, yeah, I, ju I just closed the book on my watching of prospects. I watched over 600 players uh, for the this year's draft. I Woo. I am hopeful. Uh, it's it's never happened, but I'm hopeful that I've watched every single player that will be drafted. That this is the year. Uh, so I've closed the book and no more film to watch. Thankfully. Well, congratulations. I Oof. know how that feels to do something you love, but it's also a grind. I get it. I get it. <laughs> uh, I want to ask you, you're a, you're a Devi guy. You do the Devi Marketplace podcast, which is fantastic. Some people know uh, what Dynasty Leagues are. Some people know what Devi Leagues are. Some people maybe are a little less familiar. Can you kind of just, just briefly let us know uh, what makes a Devi League unique to like your typical Dynasty League? Devi stands for developmental, and it's a league where you draft some college players before they enter the NFL. It's kind of like, you know, getting a, a little bit of a um, college team almost, and they don't score any points or anything, but you have them on your team so that when they do go to the NFL, then you get those players. So essentially, you know, you draft these college players early, um, so you have even a little bit of knowledge of college football, or just have the ability to search on the internet. You can find rankings, and you can pick up some good players. And what, what I like best about it, obviously I like, you know, I'm watching guys years out, but even for people that aren't, is that it's, it's another tradable asset in your league, right? In Dynasty Leagues, you have rookie picks that you can trade. That's always helpful. In Devi Leagues, now you have rookie picks and Devi picks. So you have more things that you can trade. You can trade for more Devi picks. It, it makes a rebuild a little bit different. And uh, it feels really good when you draft a player, you know, their sophomore, junior year of college, and they turn out to be drafted in the first round of the NFL draft and turn in to be a stud. And you've had them on your team um, since they were 19 years old. Uh, it, 
there's no feeling like it. So I think it's something everyone should try, even if you're not super into it. Uh, it is a way to get kind of into college football, into the draft a little bit early. Uh, and like I said, gives you just, just more options to, to trade and move around. That's exciting. I'm going to have to, uh, you know, bribe you to let me into your next startup. That's what I'm going to have to do, Shane. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you can have a spot for sure. Uh, I wanted to ask you also, before we get into kind of the crux of uh, of today's topic, which will be the draft, uh, I know you're a big Steelers fan, and the Steelers are in the middle of an identity crisis at the running back position. They got Benny Snell, James Connors unsigned. Anthony McFarland was drafted last year. A lot of people like him. Jalen Samuel's still hanging around. They just signed Galen Balage. They might draft somebody. As a Steelers fan, what do you want them to do at running back? And what do you think they'll do at running back? Um, I, uh, they're pretty close to the same thing. Uh, I, I think that the starting running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers this year was not on the roster. It will be a rookie. Mm. Uh, and I think I have a different opinion of who that rookie should be from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, but we'll see what happens to, to me. I think if Najee Harris, the running back from Alabama is there at 24, they are going to take him. Uh, they have not been shy about that. And they usually are not shy about what prospects they like. Uh, it's guys they usually bring in for visits. We haven't had that this year. But uh, they even had defensive coaches in the meeting talking Najee Harris. So I think there's something there. If he's gone, I think it will be Trey Sermon, the running back out of Ohio State, uh, in the second round. Uh, they've had multiple meetings with him. And I think he's higher than a lot of the community has. Uh, I would personally like them to take one of the two other guys. I, I think... Um, I think that Travis Etienne is dynamic. The running back from Clemson, uh, Javante Williams from North Carolina, I think is very good. Uh, if they could move down and get one of those players, that would be my ideal, but that's always easier said than done. So I think we see either Najee Harris or Trey Sermon as a starting running back to the Steelers this year. Awesome, awesome. I'm going to get to that question later because I now have questions about like uh, how you evaluate those three running backs, but uh, we will get to that later <laughs> when we get into that. Uh, I wanted to quickly kind of throw it over to Jen because we're going to touch a couple news segments before we get into our main segment today. Uh, Jen, what's in the news this week? There's not a ton in the news, I will say, this week, which is, you know, everything is, is pretty much focused on the draft as it should be. But there was a trade this past week, quarterback-wise. We got uh, Sam Darnold going to the Panthers. Um, which I think is kind of interesting. I mean, some people think it's a meh. You know, some people are excited about it. Personally, I'm excited to for, for kind of the, you know, the reuniting of the Darnold-Robbie A situation. I love Robbie Anderson. Uh, I, I think they had, you know, really good chemistry at the end of 2019. Um, I'm kind of excited to see, you know, an Adam Gaseless Sam Darnold. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not super pumped. It's not like he's all of a sudden a QB1 or anything. But I think it's, you know, it's slightly exciting news. I mean, Shane, do you have any feels about, about Sam Darnold in Carolina? I, I'm a little bit torn. I, I, I really don't think that Sam Darnold is much of anything. Um, and it's, uh, look, you can't get in a much worse situation. The Panthers certainly aren't. Uh, but he, he was a player in college who turned the ball over a lot and he just kept going yep. in the NFL. Like, I, I you know, I, I just don't know if he's that great. Now, I think the Panthers is as good as you can get. I think Joe Brady's offense is good for him. I think the structure and Christian McCaffrey, like, it's kind of an ideal spot. So I'm, I'm interested to see what he does. I'm a little sad that the uh, Panthers won't end up with Justin Fields or Trey Lance. I think that would have been much more fun uh, had, to, had that happened. Oh, for sure. I, mean, I, I agree with that. It would have been nice to see them kind of start fresh and get a rookie in there. I think Darnold does deserve 
one more shot somewhere. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think he kind of came in and like you said, he was, a, he did have a lot of turnover. I think he had like 30, I can't remember the exact number, but he did have a ton of, of turnovers in college. Uh, Brandon, how do you feel? Are you, you know, in on Darnold in any way? So my draft notes, I looked at my draft notes from 2018 when Sam Darnold came out and my personal draft notes, I had one word written and that was meh. Yeah. <laughs> No, absolutely. And, and I really just haven't seen anything to make me change that. Like, that's what I thought when he was drafted. It's what I've thought the whole time. He's flashed some ability. He's made some good throws at times, but he's got 39 picks in three seasons, barely played, missed time for mono of all things. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I, I do like the idea of gaseless as like a, a term now. That's something that we do. <laughs> like, is it gaseless, Caitlin Balazs? Is it gaseless, Sam Darda? Gaseless, Robbie Anderson? I do enjoy that. So I mean, it's going to be yeah. interesting to see what happens. We uh, can't ignore the pattern, you know. There is there is a pattern on the gaseless situation, you know. It's uh, but there. I, but, you know, I think Carolina saw the asking price to get up and get one of those rookie quarterbacks, saw the asking price and the PR nightmare of Deshaun Watson and said, you know what, let's make a lower – uh, lower cost move. It's 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 kind of a, a good risk reward move for them. So even though I don't like Darnold, I like the move. I think it's worth the gamble. Uh, I don't necessarily think Teddy Bridgewater was the problem, like the capital P problem in Carolina last year. But uh, you know, it's good to at least kick the tires on Darnold and see what happens. It cost him a second round pick. That's not too not too awful. That's what Miami did for Rosen uh, a couple years ago. So not too worried. Yeah, and I think, you know, for me, as far as fantasy-wise, you know, I did throw out a, a Darnold pick the other day in the final round of a best ball because I happen to have Robbie Anderson because I told you, you know, earlier I do love the guy. Uh, he does produce. So, uh, you know, I, at the last minute I was like, you know what, final round, there's Darnold. So I did grab him just for the sure. – you know, especially in best ball, we want those – you know, best balls want to, you know, it, it, the strategy there is you want those big boom weeks, right? You want, so if, if randomly one week, you know, Darnold and Anderson hook up for three touchdowns, that's going to, you know, that value is going to raise you above other, other people, you know, in your, in your league. Sure. So yeah. that's what I was looking for there. Um, all right, moving on to the next uh, new segment. I just want to touch really briefly on the, the unsigned free agents that are still out there. I mean, we still have Gurley, Connor, Antonio Brown. Like if you said that five years ago, everyone would laugh at you, right? And here we are, <laughs> all three of these guys are still looking for a job i mean are they going to get a job i mean well so brandon what how do you feel about these guys do you think they they they're going to end up somewhere and be and be fantasy relevant it sure goes fast i can't believe todd Gurley's done i just mm-hmm. can't believe it. i can't believe it. and apparently he is because i he he has looked like a shell of himself the last two seasons even when he's been productive but he's you know he'll be 27 this year and it's done and it makes me sad i think he'll probably latch on somewhere and and probably steal some carries somewhere. Maybe like like New Orleans might be a spot. Like they sign him as a backup, and he gets like four carries, just enough to make Latavius Murray owners mad. But that's it. I think that's his future. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. It, it just seems like these these uh, especially these running backs that that are unsigned, uh, like you said, uh, just fall off so quickly, and it almost says, "Hey, you really can't." sign them to a second contract. Um, so I, I'm interested to see, I think someone like James Conner, like even, even the Rams at replacing Malcolm Brown, I, you know, I think we're starting to look at those type of roles of you're basically the, the RB three on a team. And that's where you're going to have to take a veterans minimum to get there. Um, you know, and I always wonder at this point, is it better maybe for them to wait to kind of Devonta Freeman it, right? Wait till in season, wait till sure. someone gets hurt. Yeah. Uh, maybe that can, you know, get you a spot, but you know, there probably isn't much left. And, and I feel bad, you know, from Pittsburgh following Connor in college. I mean, he was 
really trumped up as a hero here for beating cancer and then make it in the NFL. But you, you know, you, you can't, uh, you can't sign guys with your heart. It's, it's not the way you win games. No, for sure. It's like with Gurley. I went to university of Georgia, so I, yeah. I, lo- I love Gurley and I, I watching his demise and you know, his, it's just, it's really, it's been sad for me. And I'm like, you're like, Oh, he's 27. I'm like, but he's only 27. It's, it's just, it is tough. But I think it also Antonio Brown is kind of, you know, intriguing in that, okay, so he was sane last year, right? He put together a season. I'm just interested to see if, <laughs> if you know, if, if any other team is going to go out there and, and kind of take a risk on him and see if he can, you know, stay focused and play football this year, or if it's going to be the kind of situation where he gets signed in, you know, week 10, you know, when, when some team's you know, wide receiving core is a triage unit and they need him, you know, it'll be interesting. And I think that might even happen with some of these running backs too. It might even happen. Like you guys said, it may even happen after the draft. If someone didn't fall to a certain team and they don't love who they got, they may end up grabbing Gurley or Connor. And Brown at 33, that that's the thing with Brown. Like he's getting up in that age where even if he wasn't an off field issue, you would be interested in 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 what kind of future he has so I, I i think you know i think he ends up back in tampa on a one-year deal in september that's what i think yeah i can see that too folks early bird pricing for 2021 four for four memberships are available don't hesitate to sign up early and capitalize on the ever-growing off-season content we bring you day in and day out check out classic pro and dfs embedding memberships up to 25 percent off right now see 444.com slash plans for details uh, so let's shift to the draft. Let's talk draft, our main segment. That's why Shane's here. We're gonna um, we're gonna kind of dive into that. Uh, Shane, I want to ask you real quick because you you go really in depth. You talked about how you just went through 600 prospects. Um, what's your method methodology routine when you're scouting and ranking prospects each year? Uh, so it's kind of interesting because I start really it, when they're in high school. I mean, I, I start to, to watch these players sometimes as early as their sophomore, junior seasons in high school um, for some of those big recruits and just to get a feel for them. Uh, so, you know, a guy like like Terrace Marshall, Jamar Chase, I, I've been watching them since their juniors of high school. I've actually drafted Terrace Marshall, uh, his sophomore year of high school in a, in a Debbie league. Like, you know, I, I, so a lot of them, I have an idea coming in and then each year uh, I may not study them per se, but I'll kind of watch and get an idea. And then once we start to hit a year or two out, that's when I start to really dig in and get a good feel for a scouting report, a ranking, taking notes on a player. Um, sometimes I'll even take notes as their college career happens and kind of compile those later. Have they improved? Have they not? Um, so for a lot of the top players that have been around that we've been talking about for a couple years, uh, you know, we, Najee Harris and Travis Etienne and um, even even Trey Sermon, we've been talking about for a while. I have I have a lot built up to this season, uh, and then if they're going to be top 100, even top 150 players in my opinion, if I start to get that feel for them, then I'll watch almost every game from this year. Uh, and if I and go back to a couple games from years previous, uh, and then guys that are more mid to late round prospects, um, the skill positions, I'll, I'll try to really watch a good amount of just for fantasy. I like to have an idea. Um, so I try to watch most of their games, but for the other positions, I'll probably watch like two or three games, uh, get, get, you know, get a good idea. And once it kind of seems like a player is going to go fairly high, I'll go back, I'll revisit. And that all starts 
over the summer. So I, you know, I'm really watching even before their last season. I'm trying to get uh, kind of a good process started so uh, I can really focus on their final year. Uh, so yeah, it, it's it's a year round process. Some for some of these players, it's a four, five, six year process um, to to really get here. I love that. That's just so much commitment. I love it. I, I coming from somebody who like has never heard a prospect's name, unless it's like Trevor Lawrence, who you hear about as a freshman, if just by going outside, you hear the name Trevor Lawrence, right? But, uh, but most prospects, like I'm not hearing about until they're draft eligible, until <laughs> uh, that season that I start seeing. So it's amazing that you're starting. How do you even find people in high school? Just, I, I know that's a little off, off our show sheet, but how do you even find people in high school? <laughs> and it, it, it's hard. And I, I rely on, 24 seven sports and the, the, you know, the recruiting rankings, quote unquote, which are very biased and uh, kind of sure. move around. But look, that's where I'm going to, I'm going to watch the five-star and four-star prospects. And if I hear some things about from guys, I trust about three-star guys, I'll watch You know, highlights of them. And sometimes, you know, high school, it's usually highlights. I'm usually just looking for traits. Um, so, but, and then, and then there's players like Zach Wilson, who I didn't watch until this year started. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, sure. it goes both ways uh, for sure. Yeah, we're going to talk about quarterbacks. Zach Wilson's definitely somebody we'll talk about. I, I want to talk real quick. Um, so since you're such a long haul, like the combine and the pro days, um, does that hold any meaning to you at all since it's not it's not really an introduction to anybody for you? It does. Uh, the, pro, the combine d- does for me just to get a sense of um, ath- athleticism and comparing it to other players. And so a lot of times for me it's just – I kind of predict in my head a, a range for a lot of these players. And if they exceed it or they fail to meet it, then I go back and I'll watch a little bit more uh, of them. And this year, uh, it, it's with the just being pro days, it's been a little bit different. I haven't done that as much. There's been a couple players that I've revisited, um, but it, it almost affects it more this year to me. Because if you don't do well at your pro day, something's wrong. <laughs> to you yeah. know, uh, so uh, t- so I feel like oh that that's kind of a red flag, and it's not going to drop a guy. I'm not going to say oh this guy's you know I, I thought he was a second round pick, now he's terrible. Um, I'm not going to go <laughs> that route, but it might be okay. Maybe I need to drop him a couple spots. These players are a little more athletic, um, so it might be a spot or two difference, and that's how those changes happen. Any uh, fantasy relevant players who uh, had a bad day that you may be rethinking because of that? Uh, pr- probably the highest gu- highest rated guy I had coming in was Jamar Jefferson, who I uh, really struggled in his pro day, and uh, I was a little bit sad. I- I'm a big fan of his. He's someone that was super productive early in his college career, and uh, the running back out of Oregon State. And uh, you know, I knew he wasn't the fastest guy. He, he wasn't going to be like super athletic, but. Um, we had on, on our podcast on the Debbie Marketplace, uh, Kentley Platt uh, uh, at Math Bomb, who if, you've, if you're on Twitter and you've been following Pro Days, you've seen his uh, charts, the relative athletic scores pop up, uh, which kind of puts players in a, a historical perspective. And Jamar Jefferson's in like the bottom fourth of all running back prospects in terms of athleticism oh. uh, since oh. 1987. So it, it's pretty bad. Like his, it's not the speed. It's really the agility, the explosion, uh, which is fearful of me. So, you know, I, I still have him as my RB6. I still like him, but he's not, you know, in that top four that, that I thought he could have been before that. 
Yeah, also a power back with 13 reps on the bench. Uh, not good. That's a little <laughs> but I'm, uh, but I'm with you. I'm with you there. No, I was curious about the pro day type stuff. Um, and then from uh, uh just to shift into kind of positional basis, uh, we talked about Zach Wilson. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence is going first to the Jaguars. Uh, now we have the 49ers have traded up. Uh, we, we're not sure who they're looking at, but I, I've seen mocks with as many as five or six quarterbacks in the top ten. Uh, how many quarterbacks do you think we can expect to be drafted that high? And then uh, are any of them actually fantasy relevant? Uh, if we're looking at like this year, obviously we're going to be looking at all of them drafted top 10 in like a dynasty format. But uh, are you interested in any of those guys this year? And how many do you think you'll see go? I think we, we see five in the first round. I think they will go, I will say safely in the top 15. I think the top 10 is mm-hmm. possible. Um, I think we could see one, whether it be uh, Trey Lance uh, from North Dakota State or Justin Fields from Ohio State, maybe fall a little bit. Um, but I, I think we're locked into Trevor Lawrence at one to the Jaguars, Zach Wilson at two to the Jets, um, and three to the 49ers. I don't think it's 100%. I know the Mac Jones from Alabama buzzes there. It could happen. They could take one of the others. Um, but but I think we'll have teams trying to move up into that back end of the top 10 for them. Uh, a, a six quarterback in the first round, I, I would be floored. Um, last year, Jordan Love went, which was a little bit surprising. Uh, but there was talk of that, and he had some a skill set. No one else has a skill set that should go in the first round. It's not even really close to me. So I, I think five very safely. And, and, I, and Dynasty... I mean, I'm interested in all of them. I think Trevor Lawrence uh, coming is going to step in and be a top 10 fantasy quarterback and, and rise from there. I, th- I think Zach Wilson, you can get fairly late. Um, he's going to start day one now with Sam Darnold out. It seems pretty good. And I think if Fields or Lance are in a spot where they start, I mean, these are 4-4 four, four, uh, athletic quarterbacks for fantasy. And that's just gold. I would, I would hammer them too. I wouldn't even mind a dynasty startup taking almost all rookie quarterbacks and you're going to find a gem in there somewhere. Sure. Jen, from a redraft perspective, I know we've talked about how you don't usually prioritize rookies, but with so many quarterbacks coming in so much quarterback turnover and all these guys outside of Mac Jones can run at least a little bit. How interested in these rookies are you as you're looking at redraft leagues? If it's just your standard redraft league, I'm not interested in any of them, to be honest. I think in a, in a super flex, uh, I would definitely put, you know, Lawrence, Fields, Lance, you know, in that QB2 category. But if you're, you know, so, so yes, I'd be interested there, obviously, depending on their landing spot, other than Lawrence, which, you know, is, is pretty determined. But I think that in redraft, I think there's just still way too much, you know, established quarterbacks with points ahead of them that I just don't know if it's worth the risk. If you're, when you're starting one QB, I think, no, then again, these guys will be probably on the waiver wire and, and it might be, you know, a streaming situation depending on where they land. But I think as of right now, if you're just going into a redraft league, I would kind of avoid that at the quarterback position. I just think that um, there's too many unknown factors. And, and like you said, whether their skill sets will translate you know, directly into immediate relevancy, it's just too tough. And I think there's just too many, you know, you only start one right on each team. So there's just too much already out there that uh, I, I, I would stay away from them for standard. Sure. Yeah. Sure, th- that makes sense. Um, I, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields are going to run the ball. I might take a stab at them late, but I get it. Trevor mm-hmm. Lawrence will probably be overdrafted. Uh, I, I do want to ask you, this is off show notes again. I'm just, I'm just killing you with this, Shane. Uh, but <laughs> I, I know for a fact, because I'm in a dynasty league with you, Shane, I know how much you love Trevor Lawrence. Can you quickly kind of give us a rundown <laughs> of why he's so much better 
than anyone else. So I have an article at fake, fakeskin.com, uh, which is Trevor Lawrence is the greatest quarterback prospect that I've ever scouted. Uh, so, uh-huh. you know, I've been doing this since 2004, uh, and he he's number one. And it, it's it's not that he is, like, overwhelming when, when you watch him that, oh, this guy is, like, super elite. But I think when you start to look at uh, the little things, he has the athletic ability. I mean, in the uh, playoff game, he outran – Baron Browning, who ran a four five at the, you know, um, and is going to be a, a top 100 linebacker. He has the athletic ability. He has the arm strength. He can get it down the field. His zip is, is incredible. I think the best thing that he does that's different from any other college quarterback that I've watched is how he manipulates the defense with his eyes. You know, he is so good at going from his first read to his second read to his third read, moving that safety and throwing the ball back to the first read. You know, he's so good at that kind of manipulation of moving the defense where he wants them to go so he can hit the guy that he looked at, you know, two seconds ago and um, absolutely can can hit those kind of plays. Uh, I, I think just he's so phenomenal and so cerebral in how he approaches the game. He's been the best player in the country since he was a junior in high school. Like, there's just no question how good he is and how consistent he is. I, I think, like I said, I, I think he's going to step into the league as a top 10 quarterback and pretty soon uh, he's not going to be Patrick Mahomes. No one is, but I think he's going to be close to the top. Yeah, are you are you does that sway you, Jen? I gotta ask. You know, I mean, sure. It moves the meter a smidge. You know, I think, yeah, I mean possibly, but I I don't think I would I definitely would not draft him as my QB one in a redraft league. No. Would I take a stab later if it was one of those things where we're in round sixteen and I don't really love anything else and eh, maybe I'll just grab him so no one else does? Sure. But am I going into a draft with Trevor Lawrence as my number one quarterback? No, I'm not going to do that. Not yet. Sure. Uh, Shane, so obviously he's the number one pick in super flex leagues. Are you taking him number one in one quarterback formats as well? No, no. I, I, one quarterback, like, uh, I, I'll consider him maybe late in the first round. We'll see how things shake out. Um, but just as Jen said, there's so many quarterbacks in, in one QB leagues, even in dynasty. It's like, I don't need to invest in him, especially in this class where I can wait a little bit and take another one that I think is just as good. So, um, no, I, I, especially in a good, uh, wide receiver class like this, I'll wait a little bit. Uh, but there's a couple one QB leagues. I need a quarterback and I have some picks in that late first, early second. So I got to strategize well to get him. I'm going to try. Sure, sure. Um, and that's a great transition. I was going to talk receivers next. Uh, on your mock, which is at fakepigskin.com, I'm going to include the link in the show notes. Everybody check it out. Uh, on that mock draft, you've got four wide receivers in the first round. you got another six in the second round. Uh, last year's class was great. This year's class looks like it's going to be good as well. Do you expect this year's receiver class to be as impactful early on as last year was? Uh, I mean, it's going to be tough. <laughs> that class last year yeah. was just so good. Hard to beat it. It's going to be hard to beat it. I, I don't think this class is quite as good. Um, I think last year's class was a lot more well-rounded, but this class uh, coming up has a lot of kind of smaller, faster um, slot receivers. It's a little bit different uh, of a group than we had last season. Uh, so I, I do think that we'll see a big impact. I think we're going to see, you know, Jamar Chase uh, 
the receiver from LSU who's going to go first uh, in terms of receivers. I think he's going to absolutely be great. And I think past that, it's going to be kind of a mixed bag. I think there's some players that, that uh, are a little bit underrated right now, uh, some that are a little bit overrated right now. Um, so I think you do have to kind of navigate carefully. Uh, but I, I don't think we quite see the impact. But I don't think it's going to be too far off. Um, and so I think really look, really look at those situations, really look at each player and, and really see what, uh, what, you know, what's going to fit. Uh, I, th- I think we're, you're going to have even some good guys in the second, third round that get drafted and have an immediate impact this year. Obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but Jamar Chase, uh, is he, is he the top of your board, Jamar Chase? I mean, he's he's by far the best receiver in this class. It's not close to me. I think if they're uh, after after Trevor Lawrence, I think Jamar Chase is the most sure thing in the NFL draft this year to just be okay. really good. Uh, I think you you know what you're getting. I mean, he dominated NFL talent at 19 years old, dominated, and there's not many players I've ever seen do what he did at such a young age. That that tells me that he's he's gonna really be excellent now two years older yeah I kept trying to find reasons not to like him the only things I could come up with was how much of it was burrow and was one year enough like that's it that's all that's it's all I could look at everything else he looks perfect I I wanted to ask you where he would rank last year amongst your receivers because uh you know last year's class was phenomenal I loved uh lamb and Higgins and Judy I was lower on Justin Jefferson than most which makes me a dummy but uh, Chase would have been number one on my board last year uh, amidst receivers as well. Uh, would he have? Is he that good of a prospect for you as well? I don't think he actually would have been very close to anyone last year. I think he would have been number one by far. Uh, I think I had it Judy Lamb Jefferson, um, and he was he was definitely would have been superior to that. Uh, yeah, easily, easily. Awesome. Awesome. Jen, um, yes. with the receivers doing so well in redraft last year, you know, um, Shane has like Jamar Chase landing in Detroit and has uh, the speedster Jalen Waddle in Philly. Um, these kinds of mocks where teams with a need are grabbing this r- extremely uh, heavy talent. Are you uh, are you interested? Are you watching any of these guys from a redraft perspective, um, hoping for any landing spots? Yeah, I'm watching some of them. I mean, obviously, there's the top guys are the top guys, and everybody's talking about them, which which is exciting. But I kind of like to go to like the the random guys and in, in the back end to see you know where they may end up. Like I like I've been looking at Elijah Moore because no one's really drafting him like in best ball, and and I think it's kind of exciting. I mean, he's a what day probably day two or day three pick, you know, day in the two draft. probably yeah. So, yeah, so it's like, you know, and if he ends up somewhere like the Packers or the Colts or somewhere where he can actually find a role and carve out a nice spot for himself, I think he'd be exciting. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, reach for him or anything like that, but it's one of those where, you know, he may end up relevant and a lot of people aren't looking at him. So I think a lot of people are focusing on the, you know, Jamar Chase and the Devonta Smith and the Rashad Bateman and Waddle and those guys. So he's kind of someone that I've just had my eye on from a, you know, if he – you know, if he's there super late and people aren't looking at him perspective, you know? Sure. He's, I mean, massive playmaker. Absolutely a massive playmaker. I, I, I'm watching Jalen Waddle because he, uh, if he lands on like the Lions or something and Shane's got Jamar Chase going to the Lions, which I'm sure Detroit would hope for. But if he's not there, I, I, I heard they like speed and I heard they're looking at a guy like Waddle who would fit so well with Jared Goff, who loves the slot, loves to throw to zone spots. I feel like Waddle would sign up there. That's kind of my favorite like prospect fit thing that I'd love to see. Shane, do you have like a prospect where you really are just hoping they land in a certain spot? Yeah, I'll kind of flip it the other way. Uh, I think the Saints are an intriguing spot 
just of how they use receivers. Uh, and I, you know, I, I mentioned Terrace Marshall in the cold open, who's, who's my wide receiver too. I really like him. I think he would be a great fit there. Uh, he played two years ago with when Chase was there. He played 80% of the snaps on the outside. Last year, he played 80% of the snaps in the slot, playing the Justin Jefferson role. So you can do both. And one other player I think would be an excellent fit there that people need to have more on their radars is Nico Collins, wide receiver from Michigan. I think he goes round two, round three. Um, he didn't play this past season, but 6'4", 215 pounds, 4'4", 5", uh, top vertical, broad jump, three cone. He, he does everything really, really well. He's a big, fast, athletic receiver. Like He's, he's kind of Michael Thomas-esque, and I think, I think the Saints could pick him up and um, that would be a really, really excellent fit. And I would uh, be all over him in my rookie drafts for sure. Yeah, I saw his pro day. Like, he might be able to reach New Orleans from Michigan, like, with his <laughs> wingspan. Like, he might be able to just reach out. Like, those arms, like, they, they go, like, the, all the way down to the floor, it looks like, man. He's, he's got long arms. Big dude. Um, I love that. I would I would love that fit, Nico Collins and the Saints. They surely need a second receiver opposite Michael Thomas. I just, I, I love that. Uh, shift to running backs real quick. I, I don't receive, it's hard to gloss over receiver because receiver is so thick this year. Uh, but shifting to running backs real quick, you have uh, the Dolphins, the Jets, Falcons, and Steelers all taking running backs in the first two rounds. That seems like a dream scenario for fantasy owners because those teams have such a need. We'd love to see these RB1s take over there. Um, how good are these running backs? And like, what's the this was something I, I came up with before I heard what you thought about uh, Travis Etienne and all that. So so what's the difference between Najee Harris and the next tier? But I'm interested in hearing why Najee Harris is not uh, head and shoulders above th those next guys. How, how good are these running backs? I think that the top end of the running backs are pretty good. And when you make a mock draft, it's tough to especially as a fantasy guy to not like lean in on like, Hey, here's where I want them to go. Like, let's, let's make that happen. Right. And we always have a couple teams take one that we don't expect. And that's hard to predict. Um, so I, I think Travis Etienne from Clemson, Najee Harris from Alabama, Javante Williams from North Carolina are kind of the big three of this draft. I think all three will go in the top 50. Uh, and I think all three have legitimate workhorse capabilities. Najee Harris actually is not my, RB1. I have Travis Etienne above him. And I know most people, including the NFL, probably have Najee Harris at the top. He'll probably be the first running back drafted. Um, and he, he was excellent this year. Uh, both him and Etienne were excellent this year. But I really go back for, for those two to, um, to two years ago, right? When we thought they were going to declare. Because to me, that, that almost is a little bit better to evaluate because um, last year, especially for Harris, he was 22 years old playing against these 19-year-old defenders. I mean, he's crushing these guys out of high school. Like, I hope he does. I hope, you know, he really should. Um, <laughs> but, like, two years ago, you know, he, he was good. He wasn't great. He wasn't first-round pick capable, whereas I felt like Travis Etienne really was and had that home run speed. He's bulked up. Uh, he can kind of do everything. And I think it depends on the scheme. I think an outside zone, I want ETN's one cut Arian Foster like uh, vision where he can really hit that hole. If you're in a power scheme, uh, you know, if I, I want Najee Harris to play the Derrick Henry and uh, bang between the tackles and knock guys out. Um, 
So I think it's very close. I think Javante Williams, North Carolina, his contact balance is so good. Uh, he doesn't yeah. go down. He knows how to stay on his feet. Um, I know he's not as big, but he kind of reminds me from a Steelers perspective, Jerome Bettis, just moving those feet and keeping balanced and finding ways to stay upright. It's crazy. So I think those three are really good. I, I think Trey Sermon from Ohio State is going to get, he's my RB5. I think him and Kenneth Gainwell from Memphis are, um, you know, have some potential, but uh, after after the top three, I think it falls off pretty hard. And so I think as a fantasy owner, you, you want those top three to go to good spots. Yeah, Williams, a heck of a pass blocker already for his age. Like he spots blitzers and should see the field early for that. Uh, Etn, uh, I hear a lot of Alvin Kamara comparisons. Is that legit? I, I think he has. I think people kind of play that in because that's the role that he kind of played this season, uh, where he did a lot of uh, you know pass catching out of the backfield and trying to get him into space. Uh, and I. I I, I don't love it as much. I just don't think he is. Uh, I think he can do some things between the tackles that Kamara generally doesn't do. Um, and probably isn't that like pure weapon that Alvin Kamara is as a receiver either at this point. Sure. So I think, I think he tends a little more balanced. I actually think he's more Dalvin Cook, uh, where, you know, in, in the zone scheme that has just that, that good vision, but maybe has a little, there's similar weights at 215, you know, but has maybe a little more home run ability. Sure. Uh, Jen, you've edited enough of my articles that you know I love <laughs> rookie running backs. I love them. I love them with every fiber of my being, even in uh, redraft formats. I always have at least two on all my rosters. Uh, if these four teams, like 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 Shane has it, Miami, the Jets, Falcons, Steelers, if they take these guys on day one or day two, are you going to join me in, in this and be real bullish on these rookie backs? I think I may. I mean, you know, we know it depends on landing spot, but as you said, you know, it's a dream scenario for fantasy owners, right? Because all these teams, you know, we all want there to be an RB1 coming out of there. You know, it's like mm -hmm. the Steelers, it's so frustrating because, you know, Benny Snell has been given those opportunities and it hasn't worked out. Like they're primed for someone to get in there and take, you know, take the ball, literally. You know, Falcons, I mean, they have Mike Davis now. I don't know how, you know, that's going to play out. The Jets desperately need somebody. So I think it's exciting. And it obviously, you know, it depends on their landing spot. I haven't been taking a ton of these guys yet in, in best ball because I'm kind of waiting to see where they land because that, that'll dictate kind of how I feel about them for for draft purposes. But I think it is exciting because those teams desperately need somebody. And it's good to see, you know, there, there's three or four right at the top of this draft class that could, you know, hopefully walk right in and potentially be, you know, fantasy RB1s. Yeah, if you're drafting best ball, Najee Harris is usually there in the third round. So is ETN. So mm -hmm. if they end up in Pittsburgh, that's going to change quick. <laughs> yeah. Um, Shane, uh, just shifting to tight end real quick. Uh, obviously, there's some good tight end talent. I like Brevin Jordan a lot. I think he's a, a, a good player. Um, but uh, Kyle Pitts is the, the prize of this draft at the position. Are you as crazy over Kyle Pitts as everyone else? Because you hear about him as a generational talent. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not quite there. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned Trevor Lawrence by best quarterback of all time. Kyle Pitts is not my number one tight end of all time. Um, I, I think it's Vernon Davis when he came out of Maryland, but uh, I think Kyle Pitts and him are similar. Like Pitts is a really, really good receiver. His range, his uh, ball skills, I think are unmatched. And I understand why people really like him. You toss in the height, weight, speed, and everything in between. Uh, I understand it. Uh, my, my big issue with him is just that it's going to take him still a while to develop. I think when you talk generational talent, we're talking about a player 
that can come into the league immediately and just, you know, absolutely dominate. I don't think Kyle Pitts is that. I think he's a player who, if he's in the tight end room, he's going to he's gonna have to work on blocking. Uh, and that's going to be point number one. Then um, working on that, then you fall a little behind with, re- with receiving. I think he's going to be a very good player, but I, I don't see this generational talent that I think is going to take the league by storm. I honestly would like him a lot more if he just played receiver, just play him at receiver. And it's easy to, <laughs> it's easy to say like, oh, what teams will do that. Uh, no, if they, if they draft him as a tight end, he's, he's in the tight end room. They're, half the time they're talking about blocking. Like, he's not going to just do that. So I think uh, sometimes people get a little too enamored with the pass-catching skills, with the fantasy potential over, uh, you know, maybe it takes a little while to see the field 100% of the snaps. Yeah. You have no idea, Shane, how refreshing and excited I am to hear <laughs> you say that because everybody is foaming at the mouth over this kid, and I just it's driving me crazy because it's like, you know, as I mean, for fantasy purposes, you know, tight ends do not flourish in their rookie season. It's very, very rare. Like you said, they have to learn how to block. They have to learn the game. And it doesn't happen that way. And he's going in like the third round in some of these best ball drafts. And I'm just like, what are you people doing? Like, I, I mean, it's like this weird, like fever pitch that started and it just doesn't stop. People are so excited about this guy. And I mean, look, sure, he's talented, yes, but it's very refreshing to hear an actual draft Devi guy that studied him and watched him for a long time not completely drooling, you know, over this kid. So that's fantastic. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I've heard that he's like a lock for 12 touchdowns as a rookie. It's happened once. It's happened once in NFL history. Mike Ditka, 1961. Like, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Right. Yeah, tight ends take a while, everyone. Tight ends take a Me while. I, it's it's just yeah. Jen has been pounding that drum for a while, <laughs> uh, so I, I like that. Um, we're running up on time. I just wanted to go. Uh, everyone, kind of a, a favorite under the radar prospect. I'll start while uh, while we're thinking about this. I like Javian Hawkins from Louisville a lot. Uh, he's an undersized guy. He's not going to be an every down back. He's five foot eight, one eighty three. But I like his feet. Really explosive. Uh, did, had a really nice pro day, had good numbers in the three-cone shuttle, ran a good 40s patient. Uh, so I, I like him. He could probably catch the ball. He hasn't really, wasn't really used a lot in that, in that capacity, but I think he can catch the ball. If he lands in like a zone scheme, uh, I, I like him a lot. And uh, he's somebody that in rookie startups, or I'm sorry, rookie uh, drafts, I'm taking him later if I miss out on those like top four guys that Shane was talking about Shane who's like a under the radar prospect you're really eyeing at one of the fantasy positions I'm gonna give you two I'm gonna give you one under the radar and one that's like a submarine below the radar um <laughs> awesome I so love it. Elijah Mitchell running back from from Louisiana uh, and I'm with you on Hawkins I love Hawkins a lot too um but uh Elijah Mitchell is a player who's super productive uh, at, at Louisiana Lafayette, had multiple years of production. He kind of split the role, over 200 pounds, runs a 4-3, uh, very explosive, just kind of that solid running back with some big upside. And I think if he gets to a good situation round three, early round four, um, he's a player to take. And last year, one of my favorite prospects, who was my RB11 before the draft, was James Robinson, the running back out of uh, Illinois State that we know did so well for the Jaguars. So so I'm taking my shot at the next James Robinson here. (laughs) Undrafted free agent is Jaquan Hardy, running back out of Tiffin College. Uh, he's, he's a player very similarly to James Robinson, you know, is bigger, it has great vision, uh, you know, guys just kind of bounce off of him, dominated at his level of competition. Uh, he's over 210 pounds, very quick and agile.
style. I, I think he's a player who can step into the NFL and he's not going to be, you know, super athletic, but can catch the ball, can do all those little things. Um, so he, I'm taking my shot at the next James Robinson in Jaquan Hardy from Tiffin College. I love it. Listeners, you heard that here first, Jaquan Hardy from Tiffin College. I love that. I've never even heard of Tiffin College, Shane. This is fantastic. <laughs> Jen, I know you're not quite as into the rookies. Is there anyone you're watching that we haven't talked about or somebody that we have talked about that you're now watching? I do have one kind of name, similar to the Elijah Moore vein. You know, there's Seth Williams from Auburn, wide receiver. You know, as I told you, I don't watch a ton of film, but I am an SEC person, so I do watch actual games. Um, and I did watch him at Auburn, and I, he's kind of exciting. He's he's a guy that, that, that can win on the outside. So he's one of those guys that I feel like if he ends up in the right spot, he may kind of work his way up to fantasy relevancy. So, you know, he's someone that uh, is on my in my radar in the back burner. Yeah, big body. Always like a big body. And mm -hmm. he, I think he runs like a 4-5 or, or something, so not too bad. Uh, Shane. Any final thoughts before we go today? Uh, I, I, I really appreciate you joining us. Uh, I, I, I know taking time out of your busy schedule as we get close to draft time to help prepare us. Any final thoughts before we go? I appreciate you having me. I, I just love talking draft. I love talking about these players. I'm excited to see what comes out of it and see, you know, uh, once those landing spots happen, see things change. But, um, you know, I, I think I think be excited. And, and I hope that people start to hook on to Debbie, start to branch out in some of these different um, fantasy football leagues. I think we can kind of expand some of that knowledge base as people uh, enter this realm. So thanks for having me. And uh, it's uh, it's been a pleasure. I love it. Thank you uh, so much again. Everyone, be sure to follow Shane on Twitter at Shane P. Hallam. Read all his excellent content at fakespigskin.com and Steel City Insider. Don't forget to listen to the Debbie Marketplace podcast for more draft insight. Uh, going really deep, getting lots of information. Go on Apple Podcasts, leave it a five-star review, uh, leave it a nice comment, and just follow everything Shane does. He's one of the good ones in the business. Jen, Thank you so much for being a, a wonderful co-host tonight, especially considering the fact that I know the draft isn't really your thing. <laughs> I appreciate you hanging with us. Any final thoughts? Um, no, this was great. I actually really enjoyed it. I learned things from Shane, which is always wonderful. I, I assume that all of our listeners will, will learn lots of good, actionable content from Shane. This was great. I'm super excited for the draft to be over with. I know that sounds horrible, <laughs> but it's just it's, it gets so tough towards the end here in the final couple of weeks when it's just everyone's mock drafting and everyone's speculating and you know from a fantasy perspective i'm super psyched to kind of know where everyone is so we can kind of move forward and start actual drafting um i think that's you know the most exciting part once i mean obviously everything is not locked in at that point but it's nice to see where these you know exciting young prospects end up so we can kind of turn the page no, I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you. Uh, everyone, don't listeners, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast as well. You follow us on Twitter at Two Guys Brandon and at the Monday Mommy. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good day.